Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Let me share this verse with you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Let me read that for you again. You are the light of the world. This This is Jesus talking. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Um, So has anyone ever seen your good deeds and said, glory to God? Like they they saw something you did and said, woo, praise Jesus for that. Has that ever, ever, uh, ever happened to you? You're, um, you're, you're told here, if you're a Jesus follower, you're told to be the light of the world. Um, and have you ever thought about how, how am I going to accomplish that? How am I going to make that happen? Um, certainly, you know, we, we, have, we have goals in our lives. We got financial goals and retirement goals and education goals and career goals and all kinds of goals. But, I, I, and again, I don't know if I have a good answer to this. What's, what's your goal around being the light of the world? What's your goal around that? Like a, like a specific, here's how I want to do this, or here's how I want to make this happen. Here's, here's how I'm going to be the light of the world. I, I want to bring up one way to you today that you can change the world. And if you're a Jesus follower, it's a command, so that's convenient. Um, gratitude. It's gratitude. Listen to this. It says this, be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will. This is, he goes, goes, this is why. He says, okay, I'm going to give you a command. Be thankful in all circumstances. Well, why got to be thankful in all? Because this is God's will. For you who belong to Christ Jesus. Gratitude in all circumstances, in rainy days and sunny days, in your dream job and your nightmare job and your favorite relationships and in the relationships where you you'd be glad if you never saw that person again. All circumstances, gratitude in them all, if, if you belong to Jesus. And when we do this, we change the world. When we, when, we, when we do this, we change the world. We are the light of the world. Gratitude has power. Gratitude has that kind of power. So let me, let me share this, this quote with you from a guy named William Ward. He's a pastor a uh, hundred years ago. It says, gratitude can transform common days into thanksgivings, routine jobs into joy, and ordinary opportunities into blessings. That's the power of Gratitude. And it begins with, with just the decision, the decision to, to look, for, look for good that God is doing or has done already, to look for it. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me show you. I want to I show you and give you an example of why or how gratitude changes the world um, and how a lack of gratitude is dangerous. Uh, let me share this true story with you. It says this, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. 
the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up Um, from the ground trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat his fruit, you are sure to die. So uh, God created um, the world, but then he created this, this very specific place in the world that, we, you know, that, that Jesus followers call the, the Garden of Eden. And so in that, in that garden, um, God made things grow and made beautiful things grow, delicious things grow. Um, and the garden wasn't finished though. It was the beginnings of what God wanted. And so God puts Adam there to tend it and watch over it. And we don't know what God's future plans specifically were for the garden from, our, from this story in the Bible. But um, if it's anything like we see later in the Bible, um, it was God's plan with Adam's help to, to, to expand his kingdom. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, one of the things he says is he says, let your kingdom come. And when he's saying that, he's saying, expand my kingdom. And I think, I, Daryl's opinion is that that was God's intent in this case, in the Garden of Eden. God's intent was to take Adam and say, expand my kingdom, expand this garden. So listen to this. For example, when God comes to a man who will become the father of all Jewish people um, named Abraham, he says this to him. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Sometimes Jesus follows when we read the Bible, it seems like God doesn't really care about anybody else except Jewish people in the first half of the Bible. It's, it's not until the second half of the Bible. He's like, okay, I guess I'll like everybody. But here from the beginning, we see it was God's intent to spread his, bring his kingdom, bring his kingdom. Later, Jewish people have disobeyed God and God sends a Jewish prophet named Isaiah to teach them. And when God sends Isaiah, he says this, he says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. Gentiles are just non-Jewish people. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Let my kingdom come. Let my kingdom come, expand my kingdom. And certainly Jesus, when he shows up, his message is that, you know, this is what he says to his closest followers. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. So what he's saying is bring my kingdom, let my kingdom come. And I'm saying that that was God's plan from the start to take this beautiful garden and expand it and grow it, be fruitful and multiply, make it more, uh, Expanded all over the earth and not just the physical garden, but the, the, but the beautiful relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. That was just part of this kingdom expansion. Grow it. And it was, it was this place with all this potential. But it wasn't perfect. Not like we think of heaven being perfect. And one of the reasons why we know that it's not perfect is because the devil was there. Listen to this. It says, now the serpent was more crafty 
subtle, skilled in deceit than any other, any living creature of the field which the Lord had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, can it really be that God had said, you, should, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden except except the, tr- the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it. Otherwise you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on that day, you on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and the tree to be desired um, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate it. Um, so God creates this, uh, this garden and puts Adam and Eve in it. And, uh, the benefit from the garden, they benefit from a garden that they didn't create. Those of you who are gardeners, you know, that that would be, that'd be really nice, right? Their daily needs are being met by God himself in very personal ways. And their job is to be fruitful and multiply and expand his kingdom. Let his kingdom come and and, and let more people experience the beauty of this garden, the relationship with God. And all that gets slammed to a screeching halt when when they make this choice to eat this fruit in the middle of the garden, um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Many Bible scholars, I, I never considered this or never thought about this. Many Bible scholars think that it was God's intent to let Adam and Eve in on the knowledge of good and evil later in his timing. Not in their timing, but they they shortcut that. Isn't that how we operate? We want something now. So we shortcut God's plan. And now, now, you know, that we've walked through the history of how two people brought the first sins into the world. I want you to consider this. I want you to think about this. God begins with them and says, I want you to be the light of the world. I want that light to spread everywhere. I've given you this beautiful place and a wonderful relationship. Spread it. Let everybody know. Multiply. I'm giving you everything you need. And eventually I'm going to let you in on what you don't know, but what you would like to know. And they fail him. So let me, this, this, is, this, is, this is at the heart of the question. How would gratitude change this story? If you go back through the story and you insert gratitude into each step, how does gratitude change this story? Does it change anything? God drops Adam into a, into a, into a garden. He didn't have to grow and says, it's yours. Tend it, watch over it and grow it, make it your own. If you insert gratitude there, how do you act? How do you respond to that? Imagine, imagine, imagine if I take you to a, to a place, to a piece of land uh, in Ann Arbor and I put up a house there and I say, hey, this is your space. Tend it, do what you want with it, make it great. What is your response to me in giving you a gift like that? 
Yeah, right? I didn't buy it. I didn't build it, but I get to benefit from it. If you insert gratitude, God says you can eat from everything in this garden except for this. And when you do, you're going to surely die. And again, if you insert gratitude at that point, it doesn't matter that there's one tree you can't eat from. You've got all these things in the garden to eat from. If you insert gratitude there, he's like, so much to be grateful for. So much to be grateful for. You're just, you're just grateful that you've been given what you, what you can't imagine. And you certainly can't imagine that, that you would ever need to disobey the command that you've been given. If you insert gratitude into the situation, it changes everything. Gratitude changes everything. And, and gratitude, gratitude makes it easier to obey the Lord's commands. Let's get, just, just think for a second about the Ten Commandments. Think, about, think for honor your father and mother. If you insert gratitude into those relationships, honoring your father and mother is nothing. You'll, you'll do it without even thinking about it or trying. So I, I hate yard work. Um, if you know me close, you know that this just, it's not my jam outside. Nope. Um, when I was growing up, my, my mom would ask me to do yard work. And whenever she asked me that, it would always be, and as I think back, about my mom raising me as a single mom, sacrifices she made for us to eat and go on trips and go to college. She, she, gave her, she, she gave her life so that my brother and I, and she never asked me to do yard work anymore. But if she did, I would pay for someone to do the yard work Or I would do it. Here's what's changed. Gratitude. I step back and I see. Gratitude has the power to change the world. And it's at the heart of why God's like, in all circumstances, give thanks. It will make it easier for you to do what I ask you to do. Don't murder anyone. If you're thankful for your own life and for the lives of the people that you interact with, that is, that's nothing. That's nothing. Don't commit adultery. Um, we've talked about this before. If you invest time in developing gratitude for your spouse, despite what your spouse does, ignoring what your spouse does, saying, I'm grateful for my spouse. Consider the most fam famous act of adultery in the Bible, David and Bathsheba. David is the king of Israel. He's got multiple wives. Um, and then he sees the wife of one of his most loyal followers. Would gratitude have changed David's decision in any way? Gratitude changes everything. He has, he has everything, everything a person could want. And gratitude and awareness of what he'd been given could have saved him, could save his life. And so this is, this is why I'm, I'm, just, I'm desperate for us today. I'm desperate for you right now to, to, to have us introduce more gratitude into our lives. If, if we're on the edge of our seats, just grateful for every single thing we're being, we're being given and paying attention. After David's confronted by the Lord, 
The Lord says this, the Lord says this, I anointed you king over Israel and rescued you from Saul. Saul was the, was the king previous who wanted to kill David. I anointed you king over Israel and rescued you from Saul. I gave your master Saul's house and his wives. I gave you the house of Judah, of Israel and Judah. And if this weren't enough, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise my word by doing what I considered evil? I gave you all of this. Why weren't you just grateful for what I had given you? And if you didn't, if it wasn't enough, I would have given you more. Gratitude. And if you, if you know, if you know anything about David's life, when you watch the rest of his life, that decision, that decision destroys his life. Gratitude could have saved him. Gratitude could save him. Don't steal, don't covet. Coveting is desiring something that someone else has. Coveting, uh, coveting what doesn't belong to you leads to taking what doesn't belong to you. Gratitude is the direct solution for coveting. Right? Wanting, wanting what someone else has, if you find yourself doing that, gratitude. My desire for your stuff decreases when I'm focused on being grateful for what I've already been given. And this is what I'm saying. Gratitude has the power to change the world. It has the power to change the world. And, 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 when, and when we are not grateful, it destroys us. So listen to this. Listen to this. It says, they knew God. This is a verse talking about ingratitude. They knew God, but they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so I, I would tend to look at ungratefulness as just, you know, you're not being nice or it's just, that's kind of rude. It's something that you should do. So you should say thank you. But this verse links people's unwillingness to give thanks to God to, to, to our thinking becoming futile and pointless and helpless and, and our hearts becoming dark. Gratitude and Thankfulness leads to being the light of the world. So if you want to, if we go back to the beginning and I say, hey, what's your, what's your, your set of goals for becoming the light of the world? Easy one that we can start today, right now is gratitude. Then you become the light of the world. Then you become the light of the world. Everywhere you go, everything that happens, it's standing, it's standing in line at the grocery store, man, I'm super, I'm just, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that I have the, the, the money to stand in line at the grocery store. And when I get up to the cashier, I, got to, I can pay for this. I'm grateful for every circumstance, everything. When you do that, me and you become the light of the world. And that's what, that's what, that's what we've been asked to do. And this is why it's so urgent for us to do this. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for, for you who belong to Jesus. And it's not, it's not God's will for you just to be nice and a well-mannered Christian. You, you, those of you guys who know me, you, you know, I'm not impressed by niceness and well-manneredness. I want to be the light of the world. That's what I want. And that's not being nice. And when you and me decide that gratitude isn't that important, we're going to go off the rails. 
At the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve were the first people on earth, gratitude could have saved them from sin and certain death. And it can save us from a life that we'll regret. The natural drift towards jealousy and envy and taking things for granted. We, we, we love our new things and new friends and new jobs and new ideas. But as time goes on, those things drift towards neglect. We've got to do the work of develop, developing a grateful heart. And it doesn't happen by accident. Develop, do that work of developing a grateful heart. Glorifying God is more likely to happen on its own when you develop thankfulness in all circumstances. Trust in the Lord is more likely to happen on its own when you develop gratefulness in all circumstances. Obeying Christ is far easier when you develop thankfulness in all circumstances. So if you're always complaining about how God did this to you or he allowed this to happen to you, you can bet that it's going to be way harder to trust him, way harder to obey him, and way harder to follow him. But if you and I do the work of developing gratitude... We become the light of the world. We, be, we become ready to do anything. We become ready to do everything and we're on the edge of our seats waiting for him to ask us to do something. And certainly you guys have been in that situation where there's someone in your life who's been generous, generous, generous to you and you can't wait for that person to ask you to help. Ask me to do, ask you to do anything. When we develop gratitude for Christ, we become those people for him on the edge of our seats. Can't wait, can't wait to serve him, to do for him. So we're going to take communion together. And I want to pause and let this be this time of communion be a time of exclusively dedicated to thanking God for the cross of Christ and the price that he paid for our salvation. So during this time, you can thank God uh, for the cross and leave it at that. If you want, you know, thank God, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Or you can, you can go further. You can develop that more. What is so great about Jesus dying on the cross? You can, give some, you can give some thought to specific things that you want to be thankful for about the cross. What benefits have you gained because of the cross? Um, and as we prepare to take communion, I'd love, love, love for you to dedicate exclusive thinking time, exclusive prayer time, to thanking the Lord for the cross. What do you have to be grateful for in that? So today, um, those of us who are here in person, uh, on the table when you first came in, there are some pre-prepared communion, um, communion elements that you can, you can pick up if you need one of those. Um, those of you guys at home, let me encourage you to do this too. Um, I, it is easy when you're at home to just say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to beg you and ask you to not do that. Uh, technology is great. I'm super glad we can be together um, over technology. But if you allow yourself to let this part pass, it, it's, it's a mistake. I want you and me to develop gratitude. And this is the opportunity. Let's begin it now. Let's begin it now. Be the light of the world. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.